Hi there, this is Dr. Barbara Hamilton, interventional radiologist extraordinaire. Can I say that? It's my podcast, right? This is episode three, based on chapter one of Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own, Finding Your Place in Medicine, which is my book you can find on Amazon or through my website if you'd like a signed copy from me. This chapter is called Finding Your Place, Why It Matters. It might seem obvious to you that it matters that you find your place, but as you traverse the path of a student doctor, you will come across different stresses, opinions of others, fields you've never heard of, and sometimes sexism that you've never experienced. That's why I wanna show you that finding your place matters. Here's a taste of this chapter. I'm gonna read you page 17. And this is the beginning of chapter one. A well-groomed man, towering six and a half feet tall, arrived at my office for a consultation. We were meeting to discuss the removal of his vena cava filter, which I implanted several months prior when he suffered an episode of pulmonary embolism. At that time, I helped to break up the clots in his lungs by placing small tubes in each of his lung arteries under live x-ray to deliver a potent enzyme therapy. Just as I had been taught in training, I shaped the stiff end of the stiff back end of my wire between my thumb and second finger, allowing me to direct my catheter through his heart and into his lungs, where I'd carefully exchange for specifically designed infusion catheters. Delivering these devices allowed me to dissolve the clot quickly and safely, decreasing the burden on his heart and lungs. His chest pain and shortness of breath subsided overnight as the treatment took effect. As the patient strode toward my office that day, I almost didn't recognize him as he took my hand and said, Hi, doctor. Thanks for saving my life. As a physician, you'll soon experience moments like these. They're incredible. Practicing medicine is an unbelievable privilege, and I'm thrilled to welcome you on your own journey. Over the course of medical school and training, you'll join the ranks of professionals like you who dedicate their lives to the health of others. In doing so, you will stand with some of the smartest and most hardworking people you will ever meet. But despite the commonalities among medical students, you'll notice that during the first two years of medical education, there will be some people you jive with and others you don't. In my class of 140 students, people gravitated together to form little cliques, some of which still exist to this day. It's not uncommon to hear of a close friendship or even a marriage that started in the anatomy lab. Some of my own bonds from medical school have lasted over 10 years now, and some may last a lifetime. So it's possible this social grouping isn't such a bad thing. Given the limited time you have to socialize and the intense formative period that you'll share together, these med school friendships can become treasures. During these years, I encourage you to broaden your circle by meeting as many people as you can. Even as you face the pressures of medical school, approach these budding friendships with gratitude. Easier said than done, right? So my medical school class, as I said, was 140 people per year. So it was pretty small and it felt a lot like high school all over again. It was a kind of a funny feeling. I was part of a BAMD program, which for me was a BSMD, a Bachelor of Science slash MD. 
Um, so I traveled with a group of 14 other students like me uh, who were actually college students masquerading as med students for the first two years. And this gave the experience even more of a grown-ups in high school kind of feeling. At the end of chapter one, you'll find the first set of Spill Your Guts questions, and I'll share my take with you. The theme is finding your place. And that's a place where you belong. So the first question is, have you ever been a part of or seen any social groups in your educational journey so far? Um, and were they beneficial or not? So personally, as I entered med school, I felt less mature than my classmates, um, but I was really thankful to find a small group of accepting friends. So a lot of people in my medical school had come after having a previous career. Some of them had been on Wall Street and worked in the financial sector for a couple of years, um, where they would go to like wild parties after work every day. And other people were pharmacists and finding their second career as physicians by going back to medical school. I think one of my classmates was even a lawyer, and I think she was in her 40s um, as she entered medical school with us. So needless to say, <laughs> taking the straight path straight through college and basically starting medical school early, I definitely felt a little underdeveloped compared to some of my classmates. Another aspect of my medical school class in central New Jersey was that there was a huge Indian population locally. So a significant portion of my medical school classmates were um, of Indian origin. So they, you know, their parents were Indian or maybe they were even born in India. And so it was a big part of their culture they, that they carried with them. You know, they were very close to um, their culture. They, you know, some of them lived with their parents and would bring like delicious home cooked Indian food uh, for lunch. They could all dance Bangra, and I was so fascinated by that. Um, and every year we had a Diwali celebration around Christmas time. So they shared these experiences with us, and that was really cool. I'm grateful for that. Uh, another odd aspect of having such a small class my med school class was smaller than my high school class. <laughs> So sometimes a small group of friends within the class would start to date around in a circle. So they would date each other, like pass off um, boyfriends and girlfriends. And that provided a lot of fodder for gossip. So that's something which is kind of an interesting aspect of being in medical school in such a tight community. You spend so much time with these people, you know, dating around tends to happen as well. And one of the final things I'll mention is a really beneficial side group of students was one, um, this was organized by the school. We were in an area where there were lots of Spanish speaking patients. And so someone had the wherewithal to put together a medical Spanish course, which you could take after class, uh, after class each week. And that was phenomenal. So we actually had different classes based on skill level and we had beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So being that I had done a Spanish minor in college, I actually got to uh, keep up with the advanced medical Spanish, medical Spanish class was at my level somehow. Um, 
now I find Google Translate to be helpful to find some keywords, but that was a great experience. And if you have any access to that, I would greatly encourage it. It's so helpful in communicating with my patients now. Um, and if you don't have one at your class, uh, at your school, maybe consider starting one. So looking back, I didn't really have the context of what all these people and all these groups meant to me. Uh, but looking back, they really provided a scaffold of belonging in many ways. And so I encourage you to think about that um, as you traverse your schooling and your training. Another question that I ask you at the end of this chapter is in the experience, in your experience in the medical field so far, have you felt like you belong? Well, my take on this is once you're admitted to medical school, there is a tremendous feeling of belonging. Um, there's the other side of the coin as well, but you know, despite students coming from various different backgrounds, like I said, some from immigrant families like my own, um, other you know, other kids coming from Ivy League educations or driving Audis to class, and we were all you know, studying the same thing in the same place. We were learning about the same microbes. We were memorizing the same pharmacology lectures. And I just found something so beautiful in that. So medical school became like a great equalizer once you were in. And that was part of my experience. Were there times where I felt as though I didn't belong? Uh, yes. <laughs> When I got the equivalent of a D on my first biochemistry exam, this was one of my first medical school classes, I wondered if I was going to be good enough and if I was going to be able to hack it. Um, so that class seemed so hard. But when I looked back, I was still learning to study in a new way and at a new level. I had actually aced organic chemistry at the undergraduate level and... Um, of course, one of the that's one of the gatekeeping classes. It's kind of one of the weed out classes for medical school. So I thought I had figured out how to study, but I figured out pretty quickly that I needed to up my game. And it felt like I needed to up my game to astronomical heights for these new medical school courses. So there you have it. That's my author's backstage pass to chapter one of Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own. I hope you love this book. I put my heart and soul into it. I hope it supports your greatest dreams. And you can, again, you can find it on Amazon if you don't have it already. And if you would like a special signed edition from me, you can find that on my website, which is tiredsuperheroine.com. That's T-I-R-E-D, super, S-U-P-E-R-H-E-R-O-I-N-E. -E. So tired superheroine, superheroine with an E at the end, dot com. Um, that site is also a repository of two years worth of blog posts. So in there, you can find a wealth of career building advice, leadership tips, and balanced topics um, for those of you in demanding STEM professions like medicine. I love what I do and I want the same for you. So until next time, I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you soon.